Welcome to Choosing Leadership and this is another episode of the Investor's Lens series with your host Somit Gupta. This series will look at leadership from the point of view of an investor or a VC. In each episode of this series we will explore what traits, behaviors or red flags investors see in their founders that they work with and how founders evolve over time as they grow and become better leaders. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to create organizations where people get to do the work of their lives. Together let us do our bit to create a world where all of us can show up as leaders. With that let us get started. Rajiv Vaishnav is the co-founder and managing director at Corner Store Venture Partners Fund. He is the honorary executive chairman of Startups Council of India and was an integral part of Nascom's senior management team for 13 plus years. In the interview we talked about the importance of mentors, power of anecdotes and stories and the role of listening when it comes to communication. Hi Rajiv and welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Hi how are you Sumit? Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today. And for our listeners, can you start by sharing a small introduction of who you are and what do you do? Oh yeah, okay. Thank you. So my name is Rajiv Vaishnav. Currently I'm the managing partner and the co-founder of a venture fund called Cornerstone Venture Park. We invest in we tech enterprise SaaS business models and it's a pre series A series A kind of uh, the stage that we prefer our sweet spot is anywhere between a million to 2 million that we go in. Prior to this I was with uh, Reliance Industries that is Mukesh Ambani group and uh, there I was heading the development of partnership and the ecosystem and uh, for almost two and a half years I was with Reliance prior to Reliance I was with an organization called Nascom Nascom is an association of IT industry uh, and uh, there I was for 13 years and uh, I was fortunate to be at the right time at the right place with the right set of people and that gave me an opportunity to launch Tai I don't know how many of you are familiar with Tai Tai is the Indus entrepreneurs. It is a Silicon Valley based organization that is now global. And I was fortunate to introduce Tai into India way back in 99. And so that's where my interaction with at that time dot com and now startup journey began. But I'll stop here and let's get into our conversation. Thank you for sharing that and I think you have had a very like diverse and like a well traveled journey and one thing which i see that that you have worked across industries across large organizations as well as now you are mostly working with startups and entrepreneurs so in your perspective how has your leadership evolved in these two phases right working with the very young small companies as well as working with big conglomerates and then what role does that experience play in your work with founders right now to be very honest with you these words like leadership and mentor it sounds too big and pompous for me because i had a very humble beginning coming from middle class my father was working in a shipping company and i always wanted to do some business of my own so while i was in college and though let me tell you i'm bsc chemistry 58 point some percentage and that's it after that i tried doing diploma in management studies in those days which is like some post 
post-graduation now, but I couldn't clear operation research. And then I got a job opportunity and life took me somewhere else. So I, I started my journey with textiles. This was in 79, 80 timeframe. I was still in college and from textiles and I'll just skip, just connecting the dots. From the place we worked for textiles, I learned the textile business as such, but we couldn't succeed because of multiple reasons and we had to, our partners had to withdraw from that business. Then I worked for pharma industry. I started my career as a medical representative and I went to Gujarat, developed the Gujarat market for the company called Organo Media. Now it is called Infar. And uh, within a year and a half, I got another opportunity to do business. My father's friend was into silver brazing alloys. It was a low melting brazing alloys. So he gave me an opportunity to work with him. Uh, four years I was with him. I built the sales and marketing for the organization. It was called Mexiclo Industries. And we used to deal with silver, cadmium, phosphorus, copper. And we used to create those brazing alloys, uh, which used to be for the air conditioning industry and wherever there is a low melting raising, that was it. After four years, the gentleman thought that I have learned more than his sons. He had two sons. And he said that I don't want to continue our relations. And I said, that's fine. But I learned a lot. Coming from a science background, I learned how to reconcile accounts, how to do PNL, how to write balance sheet, going to bank and open an LC and everything related business. So I thanked him for that and moved on. And I met a gentleman who was the, the PR head of Buyer India. And he asked me that, have you thought of working for an association? And I was like, you know, what association? Dr. Vakil Arun Vakil was his name. He was my first mentor, so to say, a person who to me and then guided me. So he said that to I told him, I said, and in those days, it was like cyclo styling circulars and distributing among members. So I thought, is that the role that you expect me to play? And he said, no, you don't know the power of association. Why don't you try? And that was a leap of faith. And I said, okay, let me try. So if you look at various stages of my life, I have not planned my life. I have not thought that three years from now, I will be this, that, and other. I have gone with the flow and no regrets, right? I'm very happy. Whatever that has happened with me, as I was telling you, that I was at the right time with the right set of people. And those people have really changed my life. So I joined an association, not-for-profit, called Indo-American Society. Now, Indo-American Society was a management development or personality development and association. Sociocultural organization, bilet, but sociocultural. And there, I got an opportunity to work with people like Mr. Nani Palkiwala, Mr. Deepak Parekh, Mr. Virayan Shah, Mr. Keshav Mahindra, and those profile. And they were on the executive council of this organization. And all the council generals, U.S. council generals were there in executive council. So you start interacting with the leaders. You start Seeing them, observing them, you understand how they work, how they think, how they act with people, and you learn a lot. So those three, three and a half, four years, I think, were the best years of my life. On one hand, I was 
talking to people like Mr. Sharu Rangnikar, the Peter Drucker of India, uh, Mr. Suresh Durla, the quality program of uh, J.M. Juran Institute. We brought them into India. We introduced that into the corporate sector. And multiple such programs with some amazing faculties on one hand, with amazing leaders on the other hand, and with glorified pews in the office. We had a team of seven, eight, ten people who were managing some English-speaking classes and personality development classes and things like that. So the range of people that you deal with is something which was phenomenal. And to be very honest with you, I had no clue of where I was going and what was happening into my chemistry, my body and what was my journey. I didn't realize that. But I got an opportunity. I was having a salary of some 3,500 rupees and I got an offer of 7,000 rupees. And I was like, amazing. And as always, I reached out to my mentors and I showed them the offer letter. So I went to Mr. Deepak Fire and I showed him the letter. I said, sir, I have got this offer. What should I do? He said, don't take it. It's not worth it. You will get better. Okay. So I did take it. But I realized in the bargain that what that offer was expecting me to perform, I could do much better than that. Then the role. So I was, I had no regrets. I try and move fast, but it's a 40 year old journey. So you will play with me, right? Then I got another offer from a freight forwarding industry. This was an American freight forwarding company. They wanted to establish their operations in India for sales and marketing. So this gentleman from that company called Air Experience International, he came to my office. We were chatting and he said, Rajiv, would you want to take this offer? And I said, I'm happy what I'm doing here. I'm enjoying it. He said, no, but this will be more rewarding and more challenging. And that was the time when I had twins. So I had three kids, my son and then twins. And I was drawing around 5,500 rupees and this offer was 12,500. So I said, God sent offer. Again, with that offer little, I went to Mr. Deepak Parang. I said, sir. Please guide me. And he said, no, I know this company. I know the person who has signed this letter. This is a great company. You should. So I, from bilateral socio-cultural organization, I shifted to freight forwarding. And I started doing multiple things, import of cargo from air cargo from UK and Germany to India. And for four years, I worked there. I traveled across the world, met all the consignees and had amazing experience there. Four years down the line, my entire senior management shifted to another company, freight forwarding company, and I went along with them. So in this company, General Motors was the largest customer. General Motors had established a manufacturing unit in Baroda alone, and they were looking at establishing a part distribution center in Mumbai, outside Okroy limit closer to Navasheva port. And this, they wanted us to find a warehouse for them. So from sales and marketing, I shifted to logistics and we established a warehouse for General Motors. They were amazed that in India, things can work. So we had a timeline of almost two and a half months and we could execute that project, including employing people, deploying software, that would be compatible with SAP implementation and things like that. So everything worked out, thankfully. And uh, I was promoted to Logistic Manager India. 
my head office was in Delhi and I was told that Rajiv, why don't you come to Delhi now with growing children and aging parents? I said, I don't want to put this look. I'm just approved then from Mumbai. So I requested my managing director that can I look for a job? And he said, yeah, Rajiv, please go ahead. So I called up my first mentor, Dr. Arun Vakil, and I said, sir, looking for a job. And he said, Indo-American Chamber of Commerce is looking for somebody to help. The, the Mumbai office here. So thankfully, everybody knew my work eight years, 10 years before with the Dominican Society. So it was a clear walk-in. I worked there for a year, but within that year, a lot of things happened. U.S. government uh, nominated me for the International Visitors Program. I went to U.S. That was the time when Thai looked at, I got the opportunity to work for Thai. And soon thereafter, so in 2000, Thai gave 99, Thai came to India. The person who invited me to join Thai, Mr. Harish Mehta, I told him, sir, I don't understand technology. He said, 15 years ago, everybody, everybody learned technology, you will learn. But I said, sir, I don't understand finance. If you ask me what is sweat equity and all, I have limited knowledge. So he said, I have confidence in you. Do you have confidence? I said, yes, I have. They jumped. So leap of faith again. I jumped into Thai and started my office without appointment letter, without offer letter, because I was the only one and he was my resident. I was the executive director. Started from home on a desktop, started keying in all the details, addresses, all that, and built the organization. Now, in that process, we established multiple chapters across India and all that. 9-11 happened and America got shut. And angel hellos disappeared, the wings disappeared, technology pipeline dried out, and I had no work. So I was complaining to my mentor that I'm taking salary, but I'm not contributing enough to the organization. So I'm feeling guilty about it. But unfortunately, that was a time when Devang Mehta of NASCOM, who was the first president of NASCOM, passed away in 2001. And NASCOM was looking to decentralize. They were Delhi focused. They wanted to decentralize. So Mr. Kiran Gandhi quote from the Devan and Demais. And then he reached out to say that Rajiv, why don't you help build the regional presence while I'll be taking care of Delhi. And slowly we established the regional presence of NASCOM. I was looking after all in their footprint. And 13 years fast forward. During that phase, we launched 10,000 startup program. So again, dealing with startups, establishing incubation centers across states and things like that. So I was interacting with state government. I was interacting with the corporates, the startups, the angel community, the entire ecosystem of startup. And we were working with police, helping enforcement agencies to get equipped with the technology training and things like that. That was the time when Reliance reached out and said, we have a venture fund. And we have an accelerator program. Would you consider coming and heading the partnerships? I was thinking that 20 years of my life, I worked for not-for-profit organization. And uh, I don't know whether you have seen this movie, Shole, and there is this dialogue that Tumhara Bazoor mein abhi utna dam hai ki wat ki dimak mein kukla kar diya. And I said, no, I need to figure it out whether I still mm -hmm. have that zeal to work the biggest Indian multinational. So I accepted the offer and I joined Reliance and 
there I met my partner, my co-founder. He was heading investments. I was looking after partnership and we worked together. This was pre-geo time. So we got the best opportunity to work with all the startups coming from India, from Israel, from Silicon Valley, from Canada. And around 2017, we started conceptualizing Cornerstone and that's where we are today. So to answer your short question in a long format, this is how the life has treated, has given opportunity. The only thing that really, if I would say that, that confidence in yourself, that belief in yourself, see leadership, when you look after you have arrived at some position in my life, it is all like that, that after you have reached somewhere, you know, there is, there is a wonderful couplet that was told to me by Kalanji Bhai, Kalanji Anandji, music director fame. He told me that, uh, so that's how it is. And I can't take any of these things, but one thing that I've learned and I can now tell you, looking back to my life, that every job that I've done, I was either the first person in that organization or my boss was not sitting in the next cabin. He was somewhere else. So, at freight industry, my boss was in UK. Next company that I joined, my boss was in Singapore. NASCOM, my boss was in Delhi. I, there was no boss. I was running the organization literally. And so, what that kind of put a responsibility on you is that you have to be self-monitoring. The accountability has to be very high. The ownership of your activity has to be such that at the end of the day, when you are going to bed and you are thinking that have I contributed enough to the organization or not? And if the answer is no, then you don't get a good night's sleep. So thankfully that has happened. Thankfully that was my attitude that even without supervision and actually that really helped me to be on my toes all the time. And my bosses were all amazingly great leaders. They encouraged me. They gave me a canvas and asked me to paint whatever I want. So I knew the limits of how much and how far I could paint. But what to paint, once I knew the objective of the organization, I think I got that free hand to, to express myself so beautifully. So, yeah. Thank you. And if I can like see your story, I think there are two or three very key threads that one is that confidence that you mentioned that belief in oneself because otherwise you cannot take that leap of faith and then there is also an element of faith that things will turn out well and as you said there was no plan and so and without that faith you would basically lose your balance on the way and then also relying on mentors or and also trusting their advice right even when maybe it, it doesn't make sense even when it was a bit unconventional that leave a higher paying offer something like that. And that's so beautiful. And the couplet I think that you shared is so profound uh, that maybe we can do just one interview just around that. But now my, I'm very curious, right? Because I, I am very involved in the startup world and there's a lot of entrepreneurs as well. But I also see this rush, right? This rush to achieve success or rush to become something. So what you have, as you said, this was not taught formally. This is something you learned. How do you communicate or how do you help others get on their own foot when they are losing their balance? You are working with many founders. How do you give it back? Yeah, no, this is very interesting. In fact, my 
my style of management is management by storytelling. Okay. I love telling stories. I love telling anecdotes, experiences of life. So, I mean, for example, when I was at NASCOM, he joined the beast fool, famous beast fool in Mumbai. One of the professors called me to say that, hey, Rajiv, why don't you come for campus in interviews and for you for a pitch about NASCOM to our students. And I said, we don't hire our total organization size is 45 people and your batch is 45. So we don't recruit in quantity. We may require one or two people at some remote office locations. So but why don't you come and just talk to my students? I said, okay. So before I was to leave for my dog, he called me again and he said, Raji, out of 45, only 25 students have registered for your dog. I said, of course, when they know I'm coming from NASCOM, I'm sure as an association, none of these B-Spoon guys would want to think of it. And this I'm talking some 15, 15, 20 years ago. So I went there, there were 30 students and I just told them my day at NASCOM. So the topic I wanted to highlight and I told them it were myths of working with an association. And I talked to them about how my day begins and how my day ends and what I do during the day. By the time I came back to office after my one-hour talk, professor called me to say, Rajiv, all 45 students wants to work for NASCOM. So please help me to recruit them. Because what you said was so exciting that in the morning, I talked to an SME who has some problem in Aurangabad and I'm trying to address that problem. Then I go into a meeting where a BPO HR problem is being discussed. And the BPO industry in those days, there were multiple issues and all. So while I'm doing that, and I come back to the office and there is a round table with the gaming industry and the CEOs of gaming industries there. And they want to discuss about how to position gaming in India and all that. And by evening, I go to a police uh, training program and address the cops. And those guys were amazed. That what kind of engagement that the association has the ability to offer to you. And so not like that, you know. So when you talk to startups, you again. So I'll tell you what used to happen. In Reliance, we were running an accelerator. And I was staying some 45 minutes away from Reliance. And as the day, day begins in Mumbai, the traffic grows. So we had this flexi timing that you can... Come in at 9.30 and go at 6.30 or you can come at 8.30 and go at 5.30. And so I always used to be around 8 o'clock, I'd be at the office and I'd be having coffee and with a couple of founders, the founders would come and sit and we'll chat about it. And general, they have some problems, some issues and I'll tell some anecdotes and stories and all that. And then one of the founders said that, Rajiv, why don't you write a blog and encapsulate all these things? And I said, look, yeah, I'm not a great writer. I'm from a vernacular medium, so I'm not even sure about my language. That once I start writing English, whether I'll be doing justice to the language. So he said, yeah, which we, at least for us, your stories are inspirational. Mm -hmm. We will get to learn from that. And then I started writing my blogs from those kind of conversations and things like that. And in that also, all the stories, all the anecdotes. So that is one. But the other important thing is that initially, so I'll share my, I mean, our experience as a founder, right? 
whenever an investor is interacting with a startup thinks that because he has given me money, now he is expecting data, MIS from us. And that's a kind of a love-hate relation that always you share with your startup, your investee and as an investor, right? They will love you because you have paid them, you have given them money, you have invested in them. But initially, they will hate you also because you are demanding a lot of reports. We should, as an investor, and that is what is our effort also, every time we talk to anyone, the first line in our previous version of website was winning together. So if a startup is coming to say, that, sir, I want two CR for 28% of equity. I said, no, boss. This is stupidity. This is your currency. You don't throw it like that. You have to be very clear about how your journey is going to be. So I think there are a lot of these learnings that you learn two ways. It's a two-way communication. And I have always believed that when... So our way of dealing with a startup is that in the first two, three meetings, we listen to the founder. Because... In our assessment, see, there are some simple assessment rules, right? And people who are investing, they know that product market fit, that whether the product that you are looking at as a market fit or not, what's the opportunity, right? We quickly, if I tell you, we focus on four, four, four key pillars of our investment opportunity. How big is the opportunity? What is the competition? Blah, 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 all that. Scalability. How soon you can scale your startup in one in each customer, how soon you can go either deeper or bigger in whatever manner that you want to. Then capability, whether your team is capable enough to really do something for the organization. And in a time of crisis like, like Google. Now, leadership in crisis is again a different subject altogether. Right? And this was Captain Raghu Raman. I was listening to his talk and such an amazing speaker. So he said something very beautiful about, about leadership. He said, you know, that in good times, Excel sheets are managing the organization. You don't need a leader. You need a manager who will be managing the show. But very interestingly, the leader will have tough decisions to make. So if a leader gets a right choice and a wrong choice, it becomes very easy to make a decision that you will go with the right choice. Then he said that tougher than that, there is another option that comes to a leader where there are two right choices and he has to choose between one. That's tougher than right and wrong. But there is a third situation and in a crisis kind of a moment, there are two wrong decisions and the leader has to choose one. Now, when you look at these kind of, and in a startup's life, all these three situations will be very evident and will be very on the face. And one has to be really, and again, you know, it is not very, I would say, appropriate for anyone to expect that a particular founder will have everything. And for me to expect is like in India, you know how the arranged marriages are, right? You look at your spouse and with it, one or two meetings, you decide to live a life with them. So when we as investors would interact with startups, the founder, we will have one meeting, two meetings. And these are the meetings when a founder is looking to receive investment from us. 
So if we say today is Friday, you will say, yes, today is Friday, even if it is Monday. So those are the times where you can't judge a person. And I'll give you one amazing example. This is what I have learned from Mr. D. Hari. 7th of, I think, it was 7th of February, January, 7th of January, 2009, was the day when Mr. Ramili Raju of Satyam, Satyam Computers, sent the facts out, saying that there is some big scam that has happened. Now, after that, I was talking to Mr. Hari, and he was at that time looking at DHR and appraisals and things like that. And he shared something very interesting. He said that this was the time when we just finished our team appraisal, our organization appraisal. And for a large organization with 50,000, you need to have a bell curve. And you plot people on the bell curve and these are the poor ones and these are the average. These are the top performers and all that. He said, we just did that exercise. And there were some top performers, 5-10% of the organization. And the rest were falling on the white on the The day Mr. Raju sent that fax out, people whom we had confirmed to be the top performers were the first ones to design. And people who were in the poor performance were the ones who came to me and said, Pari, don't worry, we are with you. We will see to it that none of our customer will run with us and we meet our, all our commitments. And he said, that was the time when I wondered as to what kind of appraisals we had on. I think the quality, the leadership that you are, you are talking about. And I, yeah. I and, and the title of your podcast is very interesting. Choosing leadership. And I'm always wondering. When I looked at it, I was wondering, I said, why? Choosing leadership. Can you choose leadership? But then there is another meaning that I was trying to find as to what is choosing leadership. That's the kind of attitude that you have. And I think you should also get Mr. V. Srinivas for your podcast. And I'll get his coordinates for He's such an amazing person and I'm so inspired by him. Mr. V. Srinivas is the founder of a knowledge lab called Illumin Labs. That's in mobile. And his thinking is a way of addressing an issue is based on Vivekananda's thing. So he's talking about a very interesting concept. And he said, and that's what I could relate so beautifully with this concept. He said, when a person asks you, what is your CTC? How would you react? The CTC is cost to company. So whatever I'm earning or the perks or whatever benefits that I get, some total of that is my CTC. He said, no, that's not your CTC. And what is your CTC? Did your CTC are three Concentric circles. And now you visualize with me. The outer circle is a circle of transaction where a company is offering you certain remuneration and you are devoting 10, 10 hours of your day with the company and the company says, okay, for your time, this is the money. And you take that money. That's a transaction. But once you accept that job, company provides you an opportunity to co-create. And when you start co-creating, that is where you start building a team, you start building a product, you start servicing a customer, and you start growing. Once you start growing, your innermost circle of fulfillment starts growing. 
So when somebody says, what the job satisfaction that you get, money becomes almost secondary tertiary, but your passion is that boss I'm enjoying as what you were saying, right? Thank God it's Monday that I'm in the office and I have one more week to contribute. So now outside in journey is a journey of an entrepreneur. I mean, it's, it's a journey of an employee that can start with how much salary I'm going to get to how much fulfillment I could get. Now, working with four associations in my life, my circle of fulfillment was so large that I never bothered about circle of transaction because associations don't pay you as much as a corporate would pay. But people like us who are mad, crazy, who feel like contributing, growing horizontally, would be excited with the fulfillment. And when the same question is asked to a student that what is the difference between an entrepreneur and an employee, he would say, I don't have a boss. I want to make money. I want to do this. Now, then you explain this concept that this outside in is an employee mindset. It starts with money, ends with fulfillment. The inside and out is an entrepreneurial journey where you are passionate to solve a societal problem. And you are so passionate that you start co-creating, you start building a product, you start working with people, you start developing that, you start finding a solution. And once you find that solution, customers will pay. So the inside out journey, the circles are the same, but the journey, the direction changes. So that's where when you are dealing with any of the startup founders, you have to see them in different forms of their journey. And that is very exciting. That really helps you to gauge a person and to understand human psychology and how different people behave in different situations. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that wonderful story and also that perspective on an employee versus an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah I think every sentence that you shared is so dense that you can continue to unpack it and like really like soak yourself in its wisdom. Thank you. So we, we can obviously continue talking forever. And I would love to listen to all of your stories, but we also have to end. We also have to finish. So before we end, if anybody who is listening, who wants to reach out to you, and especially if you mentioned a blog, but if anybody wants to tap into that wisdom, find out more about you or your stories, what is the best way for somebody to do so? So I'm very active on social media, on LinkedIn, not so much on Insta, but yeah. So LinkedIn is the best way to reach out to me or even my email ID is there on LinkedIn. So in the contact info. So I'm more than happy to go, to meet, to discuss, to take any question. Thank you. Thank you, Rajiv, for sharing everything that you shared today and for being who you are, I think more importantly, for being who you are and what you do is a, just a natural outcome of that. As you said, right, the inside, outside journey. I think that is what, when we can find that as entrepreneurs or even as human beings, I think life becomes very simpler. Thank you, Sumit, for this lovely opportunity. I'm sorry I spoke so much that I didn't get a chance to listen to you. But I think the subject itself is very interesting and very inspiring. So I keep learning. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. 
If you like the sound of it, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs ups, ratings and reviews mean a lot to me and my team. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit and until next time, keep choosing leadership.